This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Leeds fans and welcome to this very special episode of the Right in the Gary Kelly's podcast. Later tonight we'll be joined by former goalkeeper and firm fans favourite Casper Ankergren. However before that you know we have to moan a little bit about VAR and pixels and ask if Wolves are still time wasting. We'll also be joined uh, later on by yet another special guest, LUTV's under-23 commentator Tom Hill. And we'll be having a round-the-table chat about the progress on our youth team this season so far, who are absolutely flying. On today's panel with me, we've got first-teamers Kayleigh and Matt M. You guys must be getting some appearance bonuses this season. You are racking up <laughs> these bonds. <laughs> Um, Who's also, paying him? Who's paying it? That's what I want to know. <laughs> also, a big shout out to our hardworking editor, um, man behind the sound of our podcast series, Benny Jones. How are you all doing, guys? Yeah, doing really well, thanks, Vic. Are you? I'm all right, thank you. I'm, I'm actually just quite enjoying a nice season of football. Yes, yeah, same, really. I'm feeling better than I did last weekend. So back to Wolves on Friday night, a 1-0 loss for Leeds thanks to an incredibly unlucky goal for Iliane Melier, um, a double over us this season from Wolves. What did you guys make of the performance and the result? Unlucky overall. I didn't think we played bad at the same time. It wasn't our best performance this season, but it was just such a lucky goal from Wolves. A bad game, but I think for them to get six points this season, both of them games were supposed to be so unlucky from them. And there's a few things. I'm not sure if it was... Offside, like I was sure the boot put him on side, but obviously VAR is VAR and can go on for hours complaining about that. But I think it was onside. I think that was unlucky. I think Bamford twice a season now has had two really awful VAR shouts going against him. And also, um, I mean, it might not have changed the game that much, but 
when Conor Cody went off with his head injury and then when he came back on and they got possession, I didn't really agree with that either. Uh, but Melee put in a good shift. Uh, Cooper, I think, was unlucky not to score. I think he could have had three good opportunities and Rafinha could have got 19 assists that game. It was just our final touch wasn't that great, unfortunately. I think it's worrying that that um, VAR goes down to pixels now. We're talking about pixels, aren't we? We've gone from talking about heels and, and noses and elbows and whatever else. <laughs> we're, uh, <laughs> we're talking about pixels. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, surely it's basic science that the camera angle should be in line with play for you to get a true reflection of if you're behind play or in front of play or whatever it is. But it's killing the game. It's it's not just us. been a few examples this season in the Premier League. I think in Europe, they just use common sense, don't they? They don't look at the kind of getting the lines out and the protractors and all that crap. It's a shame because it was such a great finish, wasn't it? On a man on yeah, form. Yeah, it was a hell of a finish. Oh, goodness me, goodness me. And in a way, you'd say we deserved it in a way. I think we probably did deserve a draw, but like like Kayleigh touched upon, I've just got no idea how Wolves have done the double over us this season because they have been terrible this year, haven't they? Um, they really have. They've been really struggling without Jimenez and, and you could see why on Friday night. So, yeah... I, I genuinely thought we'd, we'd get performance at Molyneux, I really did, and um, in the end we didn't. But yeah, the con- the Conor Cody thing was a bit of a bit of a comedy effort as well from them, wasn't it? How you know he can take the the ball square on the head and literally roll down and 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 ball goes out of play, and then they get possession because at the time we were putting pressure on them, really were. So who knows? It's fine margins. It's been probably the the phrase that's been thrown around this weekend, hasn't it? So yeah. It's just a shame, really, because I thought we played relatively well in, in good spells. I think I jinxed it a little yeah. bit because about two minutes before they scored, I literally said is not scored or assisted in about 16 months, so I'm not worried. And then, like, absolute thunderbolt out of nowhere. Such yeah, an unlucky goal, wasn't it? Football. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something you score in the park, off of us, like, on a whim. I don't know how it went in. I felt sorry for Mesley, yeah. I felt really sorry for yeah. him in the end. I thought... After the gaff at Arsenal, uh, mistake that he made against Arsenal, you can see he was really, 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 really stepping up his his game. I felt against against Wolves, and his distribution was spot on in my opinion. I felt he he just cleared his lines today. None of the kind of short passing, and I think the I think the defence probably helped him out as well, and didn't give him that short option, did they? It was all about playing the ball on, but it seemed really assured in, in the sticks on on Friday night, and then. Um, yeah, it's it's when it's not going not going for you. It's not going for you, and that's probably a prime example, isn't it? Hitting the post and and coming back on your back and rolling to the back of net, and in a way, it's really unfortunate that it goes down as an own goal, isn't it, for him? Yeah, exactly. Agree. He didn't have a bad. Oh, he's hard. I don't think like a single player had a bad match that uh, game. And yeah, Melia played great throughout. He made some fantastic saves. It was just just the man couldn't get him back of the net. So I can't think of he like Tyler Roberts had a great shift. I thought, but again, it was just we couldn't break him down. Text him, my dad at half time, and we were like, oh, it'll be 1 0 either way. Whoever scores first is going to win. And yeah, it was, I think, could have played for another 90 minutes, and they probably still would have stayed 1 0. But yeah, also back to the bar comment, it just changes every time. Like the line seems to change, or what margin is that makes your offside change. It's like handballs, even this season. Like if it hits your hand, it's a handball. Whereas I'm always an assumption, you've got to pretty much be like stopping a goal scoring opportunity with your hand for that to be a penalty. And it's just, it is ruining the game now. It's gone a bit too far, all of it. I think that's part of it, isn't it? Is that 
despite the technology being involved, it still in the end comes down to one person's opinion of how they have interpreted that technology. So it's still very much human error that it's open to. So, yeah, there's still too much variation. And, and Matt, I think you made a good point that the cameras obviously aren't in line with play. So you're still making assumptions of whether things are in line or not. So, yeah, the, you know, there are aspects of it that are beneficial to the game, but it's just not good enough to actually be having the impact it's having, I don't think. Kaylee, you touched on Roberts there for a second. We obviously saw a bit of a shift in formation from the previous match where Strike went back into that centre-back position, Dallas at left-back and Roberts on starting over Alioski. Um, we chatted in the previous podcast about whether Roberts was due a start and that's obviously what we saw. You thought he seemed to have a good game, Kaylee. Did you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, I think I think when Roberts, it was announced before the game, Roberts was starting, I think there was a lot of kind of a shift in mentality and you know obviously Vic we've been we've been probably guilty of it on this podcast and but I think the criticism that is hard, especially from us as well, has been warranted because it, for me he's just not done enough for, for somebody who who clearly thinks his Premier League footballer um really hasn't really hasn't come to the camp the party this season, has he? And he has been a bit bit disappointed and I think people always want to see Hernandez over Roberts. But I think these last cameo few cameo appearances that he has made obviously warranted that start against Wolves on Friday night. And I felt he um at times, especially in the first half, he really connected play really well and, and got the the ball moving forward, which was good to see. And I just felt probably mid second half he just started tailing off a bit, didn't he? And could that just be a lack of match fitness, especially at high level? You know, obviously he's been playing quite a lot of football at under twenty three level, but you know, as we know, it's it's not Premier League football, is it? So you know, I think you probably want to give him about a 7 out of 10. You know, I think he'll probably start against Southampton on Tuesday night, if I'm honest. I'd probably, probably, probably see the same team, barring any injuries. I don't think we've had any. So, yeah, I'm probably expecting to have another opportunity against Southampton, but I don't think he'll get many more because Rodrigo's back, isn't he? Um, so he's got to really grasp these this this chance in the first team as, as Tyler Roberts. And who knows, he's got two games coming up against Southampton and Villa for him to potentially stake a claim in this, this starting eleven. Yeah, I mean, before Rodrigo got injured, I think there was a few people sort of suggesting that he wasn't up to scratch and maybe we'd paid too much for him. But the last few games really do show how much of an impact he has on us going forward, don't they? Because I think we've just lacked that creativity. And from Bamford's perspective, he's not had that many clear-cut chances as he's had in the first kind of half of the season. Yeah, it must be hard to get a break in the team at the moment because we've got Bamford who's on great form this season and then you spot, uh, sign a Spanish international for your record-breaking fee and yeah, I'm sure Tyler Roberts is not going to sign over Rodrigo. But it is also, he's forget how young Tyler Roberts is. He's 2021, I think. So it's now his time for him to develop and if you can keep getting just even a few starts or obviously cup runs, not the FA Cup, other cup runs um, and getting just oh, yeah, a lot of Oh yeah, let's not talk about the FA Cup. Let's not yeah. talk about it. But um, yeah, I think it is just unfortunate. It's going to be so hard to break back into that team once Rodrigo is back. But what he's done so far this season is good because at the start of it, I was like, you know, we should loan him out if we could get like a few million for him and sell him off. And actually, every time he has come on, uh, probably really since the last three or four months, he has made quite a good impact on the. But I agree with Matt also. I'm just not sure if he's got full match fitness in him yet, especially at higher and Premier League level. Yeah, I think he's maybe more of an impact sub for me. Um, some murmurs on social media the past couple of days, people worrying about us getting dragged into a relegation battle. Um, obviously, Fulham won, which I think has scared a few people. But a win on Tuesday against Southampton will see us move to 10th, which 
It's going to be one point off Spurs, three points off Liverpool, the champions. What mindset are you guys in? Are you worrying about the bottom? Are we pushing for the top in European football? Or is it more about cementing mid-table and just general survival still? Yeah, no, I'm not worried about relegation at all at the moment. Uh, I think we'll be fine. I'd be surprised if we got relegated, but they'll probably be equally surprised if we got Europe. It'd be fantastic if we could get that this season. But no, I'd just be happy to cement ourselves. Mid-table Premier League. We're already going above expectations. We're one point around what Sheffield United was on this time last season. Um, 14th or 9th, I'd be happy with right now. I tell you what, I think um, probably for the first time in a decade... Maybe 15 years, we'd be buzzing to finish 14th and 15th this year, wouldn't we? <laughs> lift, that, lift that trophy again, if I'm honest. If I'm honest with yeah. you, yeah, I, I, I do understand that kind of anxiety we have got around the bottom three now because, you know, around January, end of January, that bottom three were long, long gone, weren't they? You know, there was a huge gap between between Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield United, and now you're looking at you're looking at four points now with Newcastle's game in Manchester United in in hand to, uh, tonight on Sunday. So, who knows? But yeah, you know, we've lost back to back. That anxiety does kick in around the fan base. But you know, I think we should be okay. I think we said it all along. I think it, you know, everyone said it. It's been quite evident from the start of the season that that we create chances and the likes of Sheffield United, West Brom, Fulham, Newcastle. In, as, in some aspects as well, Crystal Palace and Burnley hardly create as many chances as, as we do. All you need to do is look at the West Brom and Burnley game at the weekend and, and, and that really gives you an indication on the lack of chances them two teams create. So with that in mind, I, I think we're safe. I, I really do. And I can't wait till we lift that 15th place trophy at the end of the season, if I'm honest. <laughs> well, Taking a heartbeat. <laughs> we've got Southampton on Tuesday who managed to get a decent point against Chelsea this weekend Villa on Saturday who they're not expecting to have Grealish which is obviously a big loss for them from our perspective we might be without Phillips for both of those games what are you kind of expecting from those two games? Gutted about Grealish if I'm honest with you most foul player in league coming up against Leeds yeah I'm not sure that I'd have ended well I think Southampton's going to be an interesting one both games are at home aren't they? So we've got home advantage now, back-to-back Premier League games. It's a good opportunity for us to to kind of look at them last two defeats that we've had and and really start kicking on again. I think they're both winnable in my eyes. I genuinely do looking at looking at the performance, especially Southampton. They're a funny old one out of Southampton because I really like uh, Ralph Halsenhutten. I think he's a, a really good manager and I think he's done really really well and kind of shifting that mentality change at Southampton now and again they get battered 9-0 and it's <laughs> not many not many teams recover from that do they and managers so he's done well to, to kind of do that but you, you never know what Southampton's going to turn up do you and like you said the Chelsea result at the weekend is is an example of that because they played really well at spells I think Villa are a poor team if I'm honest and I think without Grealish they are very very reliant on him so I think that backs up why I, I genuinely think there's potential six points there for us next week. However, next week's pod, you know, let's hope we're not talking about uh, two defeats because I'll, I'll be worried then if you bring anything up about relegation talk. <laughs> yeah, I've got to agree with Matt. I think Greeley's not been there because it works in our favour a lot. Um, he's, well, the last time we played him, it was probably the best match of the season for us. So far, the 3 0 defeat with a Bamford hat trick. So, yeah, we'll just happily take. A 1-0 win. Um, I think it will be a tough game. We've got two very tough games coming up. Two games that we could easily get six points from. The Saints will easily get zero points from. So, yeah, I think... I couldn't predict what the result will be. I think it'll be a really, really big match. I think like, like when we play Sheffield United on the season, it's going to be 1-0 either way. A bit like Wolves on Friday night. I think it's just going to be so close, both upcoming matches. 
Well, as always, we put it out on social media to see how you guys are feeling about the results. I'll just run through a few of those. Taylor Buller says, disappointed Gellert didn't get a chance in the last 10 minutes. He scores, that cost a chance. But we're still playing good football and it's good to watch. Miss Cock and Calvin so much. It's obvious where we need more depth going into next season. Drew Peacock says, frustrated. Wolves got luck and immediately parked the bus and went to the corner with 15 minutes to go. Very sad for an established Prem side versus a newly promoted side. Julian Oxley says, we're losing to inferior teams because of all the intensive, creative, flowing, skilled, beautiful football. We don't convert chances enough. Melier looked determined to put Arsenal behind him, was very unlucky. He saved good chances. And Chris Ryder says, fine, it was fine. We're fine. Played fine. We're staying up. I think Chris is fine. So are we in agreement with those comments? I think, you know, obviously there's some mixed feelings there about, you know, whether we should be beating a team like Wolves or whether it was just down to purely luck. What do you guys think about that? I think, uh, well, it drew Peacock, did you say it was? Uh, were he frustrated? Um... For God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very quick, quick. You're falling for it again. Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree with Drew Peacock. Um, that Wolves got lucky at times I think they rode the luck and, and like we touched upon earlier you know like parking the bus wasting time and yeah I think what do you say Vic at the start of the show I think that's the question of the still wasting time and yeah apparently kind of good he is but um, yeah and then the, the flip side I think Chris what it Chris Ryder who, who said you know we're fine everything's fine we're staying up so yeah like I said I think next week's the big key for us big 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 part of the season isn't it it's that kind of you know, it'll give us an indication of are we going to be pushing top half or are we going to be looking over our shoulder? So I think the next two games are critical, like we said. Right, I'll disagree with Chris. I'm fine. It's fine. We've got a big week ahead. Uh, like Matt said, though, I'll come back in a week's time for the last two matches and maybe I will be as fine as Chris is. <laughs> but yeah, so far, it's all good and I'm pretty confident. You could be enjoying a proper good Yorkshire brew in your very own Leeds United mug from theterracestore.com. With plenty to choose from, you can enjoy it even more with your very own discount code. All you have to do is fill your basket and add RITGK15 at the end to get 15% off your shop. As always, we'd love to know what you buy, so drop us a tweet at RITGK. Enjoy! Okay, so a keen-eared listener picked up that our regular Leeds news in 40 seconds actually went on for 52 seconds last week. Sorry. So for legal reasons and the fact that we found a tenor down the back of the sofa, we've extended our news jingle and finally owned the full thing. So without further ado, here is your Leeds United weekly news in a flash. The Leeds United under-23s keep marching on after two impressive wins last week against Reading and Norwich. This week saw two of our summer signings back from injury and on the training pitch as Rodrigo was all smiles and Cock was balancing on some balls. Can't wait to see you back, lads. It was with deep sadness this week that we lost one of the Leeds United family in Granny Val as she sadly passed away. Our love and wishes go out to Calvin Phillips and all of her family and friends. This week ended with a 1-0 defeat to Wolves, who I actually have no idea how they've beaten twice this season. Bar once again frustrated Leeds, it's gone down to pixels now. F***ing pixels. Hi, it's Kasper Angergren here, former Leeds United number one, and there's nothing better that I like doing than reading and listening to writeinthegarykellys.com.
So we're delighted to be joined by our guest today, who during his time at Leeds kept goal for 142 games over three years at the club and the Big Dane cemented himself as a firm fan's favourite. Casper, thanks for joining us. Over the moon to have you. Well, firstly, thank you so much for joining us. Like Matt says, we're so excited to have you on. Um, I guess we should probably just start from the beginning. You know, you joined the club at a fairly turbulent time in the club's recent history, at least. How was it being a part of the club during those years? Yeah, it was a really strange situation when I first when I first came to the club. Obviously, uh, I came in in January two thousand and seven. It was it was it, it was a bit of a weird feel around the club where uh, you know Dennis Wise had taken over together with Goss. Uh, you could feel things weren't right, uh, to be honest. And we obviously we ended up uh, what did we get minus ten points and getting relegated, which was something I. I thought wasn't going to happen. To be honest with you, I, I thought we were going to we we're going to stay up. And then after that, uh, I went back to Denmark. I was only on loan from Brindby, so went back to Denmark. Really wanted to come back to to Leeds, and uh, and that finally happened just before the the, the season started. But um, Leeds were under a, a transfer embargo as well. I think it was uh, they couldn't sign any players. I know they went the pre-season with only players that was coming in maybe on trial and it was they, they, they struggled a, a lot and uh, I think I was the first player they bought after the, the embargo was lifted but then we had the minus 15 points obviously at the start of, of, of League One in, in 2007 In terms of when Leeds came calling how did that how did that come about because obviously you joined the club on loan January 2007 which seems Honestly, a lifetime ago now when I think about it. There's, obviously, we've been through oh, so much since, but you know, when you think about it, you, you came in January, like you said, it was a bit, bit of a turbulent time at the club. How yeah. did it happen? Did you approach, did your agent approach Leeds? Did you approach Leeds? Or did the club come come knocking to your agent? How did it work? So I um, I actually just recently, at the time, I signed a new deal with, with my club back in Denmark, with Brunby. So I signed, uh, I think I signed three years and... and I actually had quite a good season. I was called up for the national team twice, late late 2006. So I was away with the national team. Uh, then in Denmark, you always have a winter break. And I was away traveling again. That This was with, like, we call it the B national team. So it's the domestic, uh, the best domestic players in Denmark. They tend to always go away in, in, in that winter, in the winter period. So I was actually away. Uh, but just before that, Brenby signed another keeper from from Charlton, a Danish boy called Stefan Andersen, and uh, I, I I just had enough at the time, and I I told the club that I wanted to leave. I, I I'm not sure they expected me to to do that, but I made it quite clear to them that I wanted to leave. And um, I think John Jensen, who was uh, who had been my assistant manager at Brenby at, at some stage. He was at Arsenal as well, wasn't he, Casper? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. Uh, he was. To, he we had him and, and Michael Laudrup. Uh, Michael Laudrup was the manager, and John Jensen was the assistant manager. And um, I think um, somehow he knew somebody at Leeds. They they've been in touch, and I think they they phoned up John and asked if there's any any players and any keepers in Denmark uh, because they were looking looking for a goalkeeper. And I think John put my name in, and I think that's how it, it really came about. So, but when I got the phone call from my agent, I was in, uh, I believe you, I think we were in South America at the time. Uh, so, and I was actually trying to get get out of Brentby at the time because uh, 
I knew after they signed Stefan that uh, they paid quite a lot of money for him and uh, I found it quite weird what they'd done with that transfer, especially with me having quite a good season and being called up for the national team. So I thought, you know what, I'm not having this. I'm not going to spend any more time sitting on the bench or, or maybe sitting on the bench. So I really wanted to go, go somewhere else and, and play. And so I was... Yeah, I was really excited when, when I got the phone call that, that Leeds wanted to take me alone. Uh, so you said earlier on, and I just discussed now, you had some issues with your old club and I said you wanted to come back to Leeds. And when you came back, so we were in our lowest league position we've ever been in. Uh, was there anything else that attracted you to going back to it? Was it the fans? Did you want to play football in England? Yeah, I think I, f- I fell in love with English football quite quickly you know uh, I just I didn't really know what to expect if I'm being honest by by going to, to Leeds but I loved the city I loved how passionate they were the fans were and, and people in, in Leeds in general were about the, the football team and you know like just the fans were just going crazy when, when we had a corner and stuff like that I, I just uh, I loved it instantly to be honest with you I really liked the mentality. I loved, I loved everything about it. So, so that's why I was, I was desperate to to come back to Leeds after I, my loan uh, had finished, even though um, it was in League One, because I thought we would have a good chance of coming back up. But that was probably before I knew that we that we had the minus fifteen points. But even then, we are, I still think we had a great season. During your League One days, I suppose you had a fair few managers, Dennis Wise, Gary McAllister, obviously Simon Grayson as well. I think there were a few other keepers in and around the squad of those years as well. So was it difficult at times having to kind of take a step back and let these other keepers take that number one position when I assume your priority was obviously cementing yourself as the number one? Yeah, so I played more or less every game. I think I might have lot missed a couple during the first season in League One due to an, to an injury. Yeah, I think David Lucas, he played a couple uh, around the time when Gary McAllister were taking over. But uh, I think I would have played majority of the, the, the games in the first season. The second season, uh, it, wa- it wasn't a great season in general, not for me personally either. I was in and out of the team all the time, struggled to really get a rhythm uh, which I think is really important as a goalkeeper that you that you try and find a rhythm with with your with your games. You know, like it's no good for anybody that you come in, play three, four, five games, you're out of the team again. You don't get the consistency. You end up thinking a bit too much. Like, oh, if I make a mistake now, I'm going to be out of the team next week. Um, so it's not good for your confidence. Uh, so I never really found a rhythm in, in the team, to be honest with you. Then McAllister and Steve Staunton, they, they got sacked. Then Simon Grayson came in. I was back playing again. The second season wasn't a good season uh, for me. And, and we ended up losing to Millwall in the playoffs, if I remember rightly. The third season, again, Shane Hicks. I was injured in, in, the, in pre-season. Shane Hicks started the season, did quite well. Uh, then he got injured I was back in playing again uh, then Simon Grayson put Shane Hicks back in against Norwich we were playing Norwich at home uh, after I played three or four games but then Shane he got injured after I think 16 minutes so I was suddenly back playing again and, and I had a good run in, in the side until uh, Grayson took me out uh, with about six games to go I think and um, yeah we luckily we we end up getting promoted that that third season in, in League One. Uh, just in between that, Casper uh, as well. You had that famous day, January the third, Old Trafford, 
FA Cup third round against Manchester United. Do you want to talk us through that day? Yeah, well, um, what can I say? Like, <laughs> I remember I didn't sleep well during the night. Like, I, I don't know, for some reason, I kept waking up thinking about the game, fell asleep again, waking up thinking about the game. And then I always, before a game, I would always check their, their lineup, uh, see if I could get some info on the players. But I remember when I looked at the lineup, I, I didn't really need to check too much because I obviously knew all of their players and I uh, knew their qualities. And uh, But you know what, when, when the game starts, it's at the end of the day, it's, it's, a, it's a game of football, it's 11 v 11. And it wasn't, it didn't feel that different if if you know what I mean, uh, but obviously after the game, it, it's it's different. Where you know you it takes it takes a while to really realize what the uh, what achievement uh, that you've that you've done that you that you just beaten Man United one nil, uh, and how much it meant to the fans. You know, I remember seeing uh, one fan. There's probably been more than that, but what I saw one crying in the stands. Just the. Uh, it was. It was. It just. It, it. It hit home how much it really meant to the fans. It was the greatest day. I can remember it so clearly still now. We recently discussed. Um, you did eventually lose your place to Shea Higgs, um, but again, you were such an instrumental part of our promotion back to the championship. Uh, when the club kind of made it clear that it wasn't going to extend your contract with us, uh, how did that make you feel? Well, I, I, I knew it was coming. To, if I'm being honest with you. Um, I had my agent speaking to the club a couple of times and and asking what what was gonna what what, what the plan was, and um, you know they just said yeah no we like Casper yeah we we want to keep him but nothing really happened and then you know that something isn't right and and they're probably looking elsewhere and 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 you know at the end of the day it's football and and I'm just glad that I had three and a half years at, at Leeds and I I enjoyed every. Uh, I enjoyed all of it, if you know what I mean. Of course, it's sometimes you go through tough periods, but um, I loved my time there, and 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 that that's football, you know. Sometimes things they come to an end, and you know what, things happen for a reason sometimes, and and uh, but I'm just pleased that I had a fantastic three and a half years there. I'm glad you still look back on it with fond memories. On to Brighton, obviously that's where you went after us, um, kind of played there as a, as a player for seven years and eventually decided to call it a day and move into the coaching team, which is where you are now. Uh, how are you finding that side of it? No, I, I love it. Like um, I started doing my coaching badges uh, maybe a year, a year and a half before, uh, before I retired. So I knew that was the, the direction I wanted to move in. But what I probably didn't expect was that the club offered me... Uh, the job that they offered me so um, I was just I was over the moon obviously that's something I I was desperate to do and I've, I love every minute of it it's it's completely different uh, I don't really miss playing because I'm I'm still on the I'm on the grass every day you know you're still you're still out there and it, it feels like I, I almost haven't retired if you know what I mean so yeah I love every minute of it it's been it's been brilliant uh, the three and a half years I've been doing it now so we've got some questions from fans on social media. Um, Langle Messi says, what do you make of um, Ilian Melier? Um, and you know, if you want to go there, what do you make of the whole Kiko Casilla situation? Uh, no, I don't really want to. Like, I will, I will, I'll be happy to comment on, on, on Messier. I think, he's, uh, I think he's done really well this season. I was aware of him bef- before he, he moved to Leeds. I watched him when he was at France and I was quite impressed with him. Uh, so it, it, I'm 
it was quite nice that uh, a, a young keeper that um, that you followed uh, and and watched before, seen him move to Leeds and 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 doing well. Uh, so I think he's he's uh, he's having a good season. I agree. He's I think he's pretty much my favourite player this season. Maybe Rafinha's on par there. Um, Callum O'Neill says, "What was your favourite moment in a Leeds shirt?" Uh, my favourite moment. Um, I can't. I can't pick one, and uh, for different reasons. Obviously, the experience of, of playing uh, the playoff final at Wembley was unbelievable. The problem was just that we obviously we lost, uh, but it's it's something I always remember. I uh, obviously the Tottenham game, the two Tottenham games in the FA Cup after we beat beat Man United, and obviously the the Man United win was was something that uh, I'll remember for the rest of my life. And uh, and then obviously getting promoted, uh, which uh, was I knew was so important to the club uh, and and to the, to to Leeds as a city as a whole. So they're they're probably my favourite moments. Uh, so the, the the run in the FA Cup, the Wembley, uh, the playoff final against Doncaster, and and um, and and getting promoted. Cool. It's not a bad thing when you've got lots of favourite moments to pick from. Um, yeah. Final fan question. Lauren wants to know who the best player is that you played with at Leeds. Yeah, see, that, that again, that's a really tricky one because I think I was lucky that obviously the team we had in League One was never, uh, it's not a League One team as such. If you look at the, the players we had, like a, a Robert Snodgrass, a Bickford, um, Johnny Housen, Keith Snowball, uh, Fraser Richardson, and um, it, 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 it was too good a team to be in, in League One, really. And, and you, after that, you did see that a lot of them players, they, they went on to have really... Uh, Bradley Johnson as well, you know, ended up playing in the Premier League and done really, really well for themselves. Yeah, I'm even forgetting Fabian Delft now, who's who's won the Premier League with, with Man City. Um, but there's there's so many good good players that uh, I think I would struggle to really to, to pick one out of out of that bunch. And I've probably missed somebody. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Someone sat listening, thinking he's not said my name yet. <laughs> no, exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm probably not being fair, but um, there's so many good players at the time. Even when I came to the club at, at the first time around, like in when I came on loan, the players we had at that time was there were some top top players in there. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna really struggle to to pick one. I think you know, like you said, Caspi, you put, you knew. It was a good team, especially when they've all gone off away from Leeds and become England international, Premier League champions, you yeah. know, playing in Premier League, playing in Europe. You know, these players have, have, have excelled, haven't they, since them League One days. So, yeah, I can imagine it is a, it is a, a tough question for you. But, you know, one final question that, that we really had and well, I really wanted to know as well is, is you and Ben White. When you see Ben White, then do you normally always talk about Leeds with Ben? Do you give him a Leeds salute? Do you tell him to come back to Leeds? And is surely that's you must be, you know, that's all you're talking about is telling his career at Leeds. <laughs> I don't tell him to come back to Leeds. Obviously, he's he's, he's a really good and important player for us here at Brighton. But uh, I think he he was. Yeah, of course, I've spoke to him about his time at Leeds, about uh, Bielsa, and and you know just just to hear what he was like working under him, and just in general his time at Leeds, and he had a. You know, like everybody, I think everybody knows that he had a. He really enjoyed his time at Leeds. Um, so, so yeah, of course we uh, we've had uh, a couple of, of chats about uh, 
about Leeds, about the the city center as well. You know, it's it it's it's a big part of of your life when you move somewhere. But for me, it was also the the the, the nature of like you can drive 10, 15, 20 minutes, and it's it's the the Yorkshire Dales, and you know, it, it's beautiful. I think you did well to avoid tripping up of that question, Casper. Well done. I think Brighton fans <laughs> will be happy with you. <laughs> <laughs> to writeinthegarakellys.com to read some great content written by the Leeds fans for the Leeds fans. We cover every aspect of the club and our talented team are writing content every day. If you'd like to get involved and write an article for the club, then get in touch by emailing us at contact at writeinthegarakellys.com or contact us across the major social media networks at RITGK. Yeah, so we're joined by uh, Leeds United TV's very own under 23 commentator Tom Hill. Um, thanks for coming on, Tom. And we've got our under 23 reporter Chris McMenemy on the line as well. And yeah, it's just a, a you know a discussion really about how well the under 23s have performed this season. And and some would say a little bit above expectation as well. Really, it's in the Premier League too. So yeah, just overall, Tom. We just wanted to know what your overall thoughts are of this season so far. And there's still a few, a few games to go in there, but. You know, it's looking good, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah, it is, mate. And I think, as you say, I mean, expectation. Um, a club like ours, I guess, with, with, with it being Leeds, the, the expectation is always going to rise a little bit. But stepping up, I think it would have been very different had we stepped up in a year if the first team hadn't done so well. Obviously, it's sort of maybe like under radar a little bit that we'd, the academy won. And uh, I'm sure some fans might have missed it with all the... Um, the drama with the first team, and I think it's just been. I think they've been incredible. I think they've stepped up. Uh, they've learnt their lessons along the way. They got they got a few beatings at the start and a few disappointing results where they were. You, you, you thought they'd learnt the lesson and they were dragged back. And I just think the transition of a new coach, new players, of course, with the the fact they've got that added incentive of being dangled towards the first team, and the fact that we're still in sort of. I mean, I forget which lockdown we're in now, but. The fact we've been in, you know, that many different lockdowns along the way that people have been able to watch, and maybe that you know, fans that do work nine to five that never could watch the game before, are now starting to see how special they can be. And I just think they've they've just taken it in their stride, mate. They've done really well. They've 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 massively um, stepped up, and of course, the table suggests I'm not going to curse it that they, they might have a chance. But um, yeah, I think you look online as well at the fans that they all seem to be really really enjoying um, just watching them mate it's a breath of fresh air to be honest just on, on what Tom was saying I mean at the start of the season you know that, that first game against Stoke I remember watching that and thinking like oh god is this, is this what it's going to be like at the next level but since then I mean they've won 13 of their last 16 and that's 9 on the bounce that's like at this level that, that's incredible like it, every week I, you know the, the, the last few weeks have been very good but I thought on Friday you know, with the first team playing and with some guys stepping from the, the under-18s and a few players missing, that that might have been the one to, to break the streak. But I wouldn't say that it didn't look indicted at any point, but I thought that, that was probably one of the best performances of the season. In, not in terms of the champion football that we've been seeing, but it was a real solid, mature performance from everyone on the pitch. And when you look at someone like Max Dean, he only turned 17 today. today. And he scored the first goal, and then you know Somerville later on. I, I, I just think this this team is, yeah. As Tom said has gone under the radar a little bit, but they've been they've been absolutely brilliant this season. You know, Tom, 
you, you said you didn't want to jinx it there, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. So without getting too far ahead of ourselves, if you look at uh, Division 1 of the PL2, how do you think this team would fare if they were to get promoted in the summer? Mate, if you've just jinxed it and... I have to now watch her slide down the table. I'm going to come back on this. Blame <laughs> <laughs> you. Um, no, I think. I mean, obviously, the cushion is the cushion is so nice at the minute. That what I like about it's that cliche, isn't it? They've done their work now. If everyone else has the ability to catch them with the fact that they've played their games and won, then fair enough. And if everyone else can catch and it can get exciting, then. But I mean, it is such a an exciting time. I think. I think it'd be very. I'd like to keep everyone's feet on the ground with the fact that Division One. Obviously, you have got some incredible teams. Um, I don't know, and I'm not trying to sound uh, patronising here, but obviously the under 18s game last year when we played Manchester United, you know, the one where we took, some, you know, some decent fans, a decent number of fans, and it was, you know, we did the game on our UTV, and I think that was a little yardstick of, of perhaps what to expect. It was a, you know, an awful lot of effort, incredible you know, sort of tactics, you know, display because you've got. I remember Manchester United had a player in their 23s team that had at the time, probably cost us just as much as we'd paid for Patrick Bamford in the first team. And that's yeah. the sort of level you probably look at. Now, I know I know that they're, they're heavily um, committed to investing in the academy. And I think some of the players they've done of, of you know, of what they've brought in have been pretty impressive. But I think if you like to your Man City's, your Manchester United's, your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's, if, if they're spending the bigger money, then it's only natural that we're probably going to have to take a, a few years. Um, but I'd, I'd like to I'd like to confidently say I don't think we'd come back straight away. I think I think we'd hold our own a little bit, and I think, as you said just before, and you know this is this hopefully is the start of something rather than uh, a bit of a flash in the pan. You have got the under 18s that are stepping into the team, and I think if I'd have said watch this game and tell me how old you think that centre forward is, he wouldn't. You would never have said ever that yeah. he's a 16 year old player playing against um, you know championship. You know, in Stephen Man, he's a championship footballer, so. I think they'll hold their own, but in terms of obviously getting even more excited and potential, you know, you're for youth leagues, and that's a that's a pipe dream, which uh, hopefully that you know that's something we can all aspire to. Maybe the yeah. Papa John's trophy as well, Tom. That could be something we could aspire to next season. I, I genuinely thought we'd do quite quite. It's not the JPT, is it? But it, it, what's it is Papa John's, isn't it? That's what it's I, called. Is I don't know. Oh, about you, but I hate Papa John's, so I'm not even that. <laughs> <laughs> other, other, <laughs> other pizza outlooks are available. Um, exactly. Isn't it? Um, yeah, I think a lot of fans took that. Chance to Wembley, I think, wasn't it? That were the that were the kind of the, the, the draw yeah, at I the think, end of it. Wasn't I, it? I think what's perfect about it is. It sort of brings down the pecky. It sort of brings down the expectation of, and I, I spoke about this with a lot of my friends over the years. Obviously, with if the first team's not doing very well, someone will always say to me, "What about him in the academy?" And one of the points I've always made to a few friends of mine was at the time when when Patrick was when Bamford was not really scoring. That I think he got on like a four game spell, which in reality isn't that bad. And you know what the pressure was like on him. And I think what he's done is incredible. But I remember someone saying to me, "We'll just put Edmondson in." And I, I remember just saying, "I think we were playing someone like Burra." because Aidan Flint was in the defence. And I said, so you want to put a 17-year-old that's not developed against a six-foot-five centre-half? And then, what you know, what do you actually expect him to do? What what do you think is going to happen? And there's yeah, just this automatic, thing of, there's mm-hmm. this automatic thing of the first team struggling, so can the 16-year-old or 17-year-old do better? And I understand they've done massively, massively well. And there was, I know that, and by the way, I know they're not all 17. And I think a few would certainly hold their own. But I just think you're playing against seasoned football league campaign and song and this is no detriment because this is what we've all grown up to love on not the best pitches um, I've got a mate who's a Blackpool fan and I don't care if he's listening that their pitch is not very good and you know I just think they, they probably got caught in the headlights a little bit and the first one the one where we got hammered um, again we had like we had like under 18s and that wasn't an under 23s team so 
I'd like to think next year maybe go a bit further, but um, it's just one of those, man. I think it, it's if you had to set a, if you said at the start of the season you're going to get promoted, but in the in the um, Papa John's Trophy you're going to get knocked out immediately. Um, you took that, and I think they actually did quite well to the fact that they could still have gone up through to the knockout rounds on that last game if they'd have beaten Blackpool. It was just disappointing that Barrow game where they were two 0 up and you thought, right, finally here we go. And then obviously it was just that experience and, and fitness levels, I think, are massive. When you're playing against grown men that are pushing you about, you are just going to get tired. It's natural, that's all. Yeah, Tom, I, I think, say that the JPT had started now in January, February time, it might have been a different story because even even at the start of the season, like even the 4-3 at Newcastle at the start of November, not that it wasn't clicking, but there were things going wrong that haven't gone wrong since defensively. And I think if you put that current under-23s team in, into the same group against those same teams, they'd probably pick up a win somewhere along the way and go through to the next round. I mean, they, they wouldn't have gone on to win it. That would have been asking a lot. But I, I definitely think it would be a different story, just how much they've improved over the last sort of over yeah, the last three months. That's a good point. I think what's probably down to that I mean again I, you know, I'm no expert but what I would probably put that down to is the fact that they, they know each other now so you, you know you have five or six new players coming in that might have met a few weeks more a few months beforehand um, especially when you look at that Stoke game you know how how many times had Cody Drame played Joe Gellhart played Sam Greenwood played together you know probably not talking very much in a, in a match session in training so I think to go forward and, and learn how each other plays and the confidence levels they just seem unfair I think you made a good point about the Norwich game like it was one of the best performances of the season it wasn't wasn't the best game to watch um, I'm sure for the fans that watched it probably didn't enjoy it as much as some of the other ones but they just seem to be all on the same page and they, they, they seem quite together as well and like, and like they just seem to really enjoy playing together. So I don't disagree with that. I think they probably would have given a few of these teams a game now, but that, you know, that's just life. And hopefully, I mean, the FA Youth Cup got suspended because of COVID as well. So if that comes back and they can rearrange that, then some of the 18s might get to flourish and show what they can do as well. Well, that FA Youth Cup is is massive, isn't it, for yeah, that age range? Yeah. You look at previous teams gone by and players that have won it, and there's been some, some big-name players that have gone on to be England internationals and and won major trophies, aren't they? So, yeah, I agree. Like what Tom said and, and 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 Chris, what you both said about if Leeds entered the JPT Papa John's now, I'd, I'd take us. I'd, I'd say we'd go all the way because they're playing some good football at the moment. They really are. And look how far we're, we're ahead on, on Premier League 2. We're storming the league, aren't we? So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But you mentioned earlier, Tom, and, and this is what really... I see the appeal for is the opportunity that the under 23s are getting in first team football, even on the bench against Wolves. You know, you have three or four of the players in and around the squad and on the bench. And I think it is that incentive now where you do get an opportunity to get in the first team where years gone by, the, the under 18s and under 23s didn't get anywhere near first team football. It was very rare we'd get a, we'd get the the kind of the Mowats and the Cooks and the Taylors and what have you. And that'd be it. And then and, and now and again you get Edmondson or whoever may get on the bench or or Louis Coyle, whatever it may be, but then they just filter off down the league. So because it looks like Bielsa is keen to keep that under 23 nuclear squad around the first team as well. Hence why we didn't see many of them get loaned out in January as well. So it is it is good to see that 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 they're given that opportunity. And obviously that's enhancing performances as well, isn't it? Yeah, I think I mean by the way, the point I made earlier about Edmondson, for example, that's not me saying he couldn't do it as well. Like, you know, I think you've got to give them that platform. We know we know what the fan base is like as well. And I think you saw from the reaction at Crawley game that it was like, oh, they all came off the bench. 
they didn't do very well. They're obviously not they're obviously not good enough. And, and it was like, well, they, they got 30 minutes on, on a game that was already gone. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's probably the hardest argument for our fans to, to debate. And, I, and I, I can totally see both sides as well. And some, sometimes I agree and sometimes I disagree that would you be better off going down to playing League One and League Two? Because it's a great experience. There's some fantastic football clubs. But I also sit and think, have you ever got the opportunity to work under the current coaching system? Is that ever going to happen again? And it's a very hard line. And again, it's that issue that we're now playing the highest level of academy football or in the academy category. I know we've got a division to go yet, but surely this is another great yardstick as well. So it's a very tough, a very tough decision for everyone to make. But yeah, your point you make there about the opportunity, it must be, it must be amazing for them. And I think the only downside to it is that there's just not the atmosphere that they can soak in as well. I mean, can you imagine if, you know, someone like a, a, a Crestwall or Gellhart was on the bench at them road, packed out. It's just that, that little carrot dangle thing. If you keep going, this, this could be you in a couple of months' time. Yeah, I think what you're saying there about the, the sort of maybe gap between first team football under 23s I think a, a big part of that as well is people's perception of the way that Man United and Man City etc have adult academies basically but it's what you make of it I think Bielsa is a clear philosophy as, as to how the 23s should play and that you know they train with the first team and, and things like that which is probably making the most of the under 23s team rather than you know, sending them out on all of them out on loan to you know Middlesbrough to sit in the bench and not get a game or send them out somewhere to League One. It's worked. It's worked with the guys who have been there for a couple of years and have gone out on loan now. Like Gotts and McCalmont have done very very well, but I wouldn't have liked to see Sam Greenwood or Gellhart come in in the summer and then go out on loan in January. It just wouldn't seem like there's much point to it. I think we've gone beyond that now. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the other thing to consider as well is there's so many players in so many positions that you could probably maybe next year allow one of the centre-backs to leave allow one of the two wingers to leave and it is tough isn't it I mean yeah I guess I guess imagine if say they had let Joe Gallagher go and then that's the end of the fans getting to see him at the end of this season should should the first team get, get that opportunity to stay in the league and we can try and experiment I think Joe Gallagher obviously probably the closest um Probably, I would probably say the one that the fans want to see the most, maybe alongside yeah. Cresswell. Greenwood isn't far behind either. And I think it is just that it's such a fine line. I think the, the guys that are out on loan now are doing great. You know, Robbie Gotts, but Robbie Gotts have been in that, in that setup for two years, as you say. So, you know, he, he'd been in that first, in that 23 team every single week, right back, left. I mean, Robbie Gotts, I think, played everywhere, to be honest. But he's now had two loan spells. And I think hopefully now, if he if he can come back and he can be part of the first team squad, then great. If not, then he can go elsewhere. And I, I think it's just a, a, a transition. There'll be like staggered. There'll be a few that go out. There'll be a few that stay. There's a few that left. I was I, I was good that couldn't be hired left because I, I just love watching him. The man's a machine yeah. and he's he's so powerful. But yet, it's just how it happens. And at the end of the day, if the, if the first team hierarchy don't rate or are not impressed, then I guess who are we to judge? Because they're pretty good at judging players by the looks of things. So, yeah, it, it, I guess this is the exciting bit that we can sit here and debate all day who should go, who shouldn't go, rather than we don't have anyone that can go out and loan or impress because we know that, you know, six, seven years ago, the best academy players were either getting pinched or they were being thrown yeah. into a League One team. So, um, it's just exciting and, you know, long may it continue. In a way, I, I really sympathise with Wigan, you know, Tom, in the summer. I really did. You yeah, know, it's losing. not nice, man. Well, goodness me, how many have we lost of it years? It's heartbreaking, isn't it, when you see him come through and, you know, your Byrams, your Alsons, Mowat's touched upon this earlier, but Cooks, they're, all, they're heartbreaking when you see him leave. And Wigan, especially losing Gellart at 
what was it, about a million was it i think it comes to I'm not sure them i think there's a few add-ons on there but yeah you're right it's in a way it's it's good that the, the boot is on the other foot and we're, we're bringing young raw hungry talent into this football club now it's really good to see and and the future is definitely bright isn't it at the moment for us on all age groups yeah i mean even in their 18s um, you know they've not had it easy because Obviously, with as you mentioned earlier, when the 23 is on the bench, that means the 23 is take out the 23 team, which means the 18s get taken into the 23s, which means the 16s go into the 18s, and it's just that tra- constant cycle and, and battling back and forth. And I think, obviously, when everyone mentions Joe Gellhart, it is massive to remember. I'm sure the coaching staff, what they've worked on, uh, have helped improved him. I'm sure he's ten times fitter than he was. But yeah, it's very important to remember the fact that he was. You know, it's not as if he's come through our academy system and we've unearthed this. You know, superstar. He he came with a great reputation. But I guess is that not what we want this football club to do? You know, pick pick the best academy players around, nurture them, improve them, and eventually take them into the first team. I guess that is what. You know, if if he can't do it at Wigan or any other club, and there's a few other teams we've picked players from, and yeah, I, I guess I, I don't think you'd get many of our fan base feeling too sympathetic. They understand the situation, don't they? As well, we've been there as well. So, but yeah, the, you know, the future does look very bright. The fact that they can all play two or three different positions, I still think it's, I still laugh at it to be honest, because you know, I know that Marcelo likes that, I know Matt Jackson likes that, and then you'll watch a player. Honestly, if you said to me in October Sam Green was going to start playing centre mid, I would have just laughed. I just said, why would you do that? He's a fantastic centre-forward. And then he just waltzes round centre-midfield, p- passing the ball left, right and centre. And you just think, oh. So it just shows that's where our academy coaching can come in and, and obviously develop players even better as well. You talk about academy coaching. I think nobody really seems to be talking about him. But uh, Mark Jackson, I think we need to talk about his performance this year as manager. I mean, he stepped up from the under-18s. I, I had originally thought that Bielsa would maybe just give the job to Diego Flores or someone already in his coaching circle or the club would go outside for someone of sort of Corbrand's calibre but Mark Jackson stepped up and I think he's done very well uh, what do you make of him Tom? Yeah I think right at the start when we said the fact that they adjusted to PL2 I think the fact that he's just come in and, and, and done a great job I've only I've only got to have the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times when we've done the under 18s games normally obviously we'd interview him after but obviously with the current situation um, one of the other guys is doing it and he seems like a really quite a passionate guy very you know very determined to prove just how good this team can be and I think uh, the point I've made to a few other people in the past is what I think is he will bring to this team more than anyone else could have done is the fact that the 18s probably won't feel as alienated if they go up because it's their same manager. You know, if you look at like a Cressler or a Casey or a Noan Kenner, it's no different to them. And I think that's probably the only, and it's not really a downside because I thought Carlos was absolutely fantastic. You know, as you're coming through the 18s, you've got a new manager, different tactics. I think they've transitioned really well. You mentioned Max Dean as well at the start. You know, he'll he'll be someone that he'll have seen for a while. So, I've, I think he's done fantastic. The the pressure, obviously, it's a big club. He's what can you say? We're ten points clear. We other teams have a game in hand, and yeah, he just seems to be taking it all in his stride. And again, you know, a massive congratulations goes to him. And I'm sure if the team do do it, which you've already predicted, and yeah. you know, I, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of fans have as well. I, I think that he deserves an awful lot of praise. So, I thought, I, this is actually probably quite a tough question. I've been thinking about it myself as well, and I've come to sort of three different answers over the last couple of weeks. Who would you say has been your sort of breakout or standout or breakout player this season for the 23s? Um, when you say breakout, do you mean someone we already had? or No, well, someone who, who's 
I would say more standout player. I was thinking breakout as in like someone who's broken out into the first team, but I think uh, who's stood. I know Joe Gellhart stood out quite a lot, but we expected that. But you know, who do you think's been most pleasantly surprised by? I would say that is a good question. Um, I'm allowed more than one answer that sit level with each other. Yeah, why not? <laughs> okay, I'm going to say that Cresswell and Cody Drama are my two that are level on par with each other and I re- this is sorry to Niall Huggins who would come a very close joint second I just think if you want me to go into a bit of detail about the pair I just think um, Cresswell firstly obviously he stepped up from he's come through all through the, the ranks he got a f- he, I know he'd played for 23s quite a few times but I just think this season he's just taken it to a totally different level the centre-back partnerships last couple of years beforehand we were chopping and changing obviously you had Pascal going in he obviously had a couple of first teamers we had a couple of times where Liam Cooper played but it was mainly Pascal that played centre half and Cresswell and Casey have got a great partnership but Cresswell's had to play with different people I think his passing's got 10 times better his awareness has got even better as well he just leads by example and I think you guys can give me your opinion what you think because obviously I only get to see I'm obviously working and I'm just in that sort of like I'm trying to make notes on certain people but I just think he carries himself like a like he's going to make it at some level where and I don't want to put too much pressure on him but he looks like he's the captain of that youth team and I think a few fans would like to see him get in there and just in terms of code of drama just to quickly put in on him I think I mentioned it in a game the other day I, I don't think I've ever seen him have less than 8 out of 10 like ever he yeah. defends his one-on-ones are absolutely brilliant to watch it's like a game he plays with them there it's like it's like he gives them that hope that they're going to get past him he doesn't I think on the ball the one thing that I think Ben mentioned at the start of the season Ben Parker when we had the two fullbacks and the left fullback probably being Niall Huggins or Lee Davis were the two that were just charging forward and you wanted to see it out of Cody Drama and you were like come on go forward go forward go and then as the season's gone on I think I tweeted the other day a joke probably a very poor joke about he's been watching Danny Alves because he just seems to just fly forward tricks passes crosses so those two are mine what about yourself? I literally have Charlie Cresswell and Cody Drama written down here um, I think maybe Stuart McKinstry too but I think we know quite how good he is but Def Drama he's just there's one thing I wanted to ask you because I, I don't I don't have you been to any of the games this year because how tall is Cody Drama? I haven't because obviously of the situation. I get the impression he's probably taller than we probably think actually because um, it says he's five foot eight online. There's no way that's true because you see him the, the build of him and when he's going past defenders, he's not like he's he's technically very good, but he's an absolute tank as well. Yeah, fitness levels. I remember when we did the game against Norwich and he was he was like out of breath and I was I remember thinking like no wonder because he was playing centre mid when we didn't have the ball um, or when we had the ball sorry right back when we did when we didn't have it and then I just think you know it's just it's just constant and I think he I know he obviously again I know he wasn't in the Leeds Academy he came from Fulham and we've, and we've brought him in but I know I didn't know much about him I'd heard a few things about Sam Greenwood and I'd heard a few things about Joe Gallagher obviously I'm sure a lot of people had but yeah I just thought every single week that you know, you know they formed I think the defence have done very well I think the keeper I think Elias done I think Elias Capriel done so well but because we keep winning games and keep smashing people it sort of goes under the radar like there's times when we're winning 2 or 3-0 where he makes a really big save but Joe Gallagher will go take on 6 people and then you, it's, people forget about yeah. it and I think you know defensively this year the improvements they've made from that Stoke Wolves uh, Newcastle games have, has been superb Yeah Capriel at the start of the season it was one of the ones I wasn't too sure about but Recently, I think he's he's been top quality. I mean, he's not had a whole lot to do, but 
anything he, he has had to do, you know, there's not not been something you look at him and think, oh, schoolboy error. I mean, the only goal this year was maybe the corner at Burnley, but then again, that was Burnley, and it was wasn't really a nice day. And there's two big centre backs starting on him, but he's definitely looked a lot more like it makes sense now why Leeds have signed him and, and brought him in. It's definitely someone for the future. Yeah, I mean, again, it's what the point I said earlier. It's just nice isn't it? that we can sit here now and debate who's yeah. been the best player, whereas. Me and Matt were joking earlier that you know we used to sit together at Ellen Road and he just turned around and look at me and was just like <laughs> despondent face of just what on earth is going on and yeah. you know you'd get a youth player that would come in and you know Charlie Taylor was great I think I think me and Matt were still watching the games when Lewis Cook played and he was special but you'd get like one every couple of seasons whereas now you know there is quite simply a list of people where the fans are like can we see them can we see them can we see them I mean when, you know when does that happen when you've got when you sign sixty odd million pound worth of talent. You know, and you still want to see that. I know they are injured, unfortunately, but you know, when you've got that ability to go right, if we can stay up, and we've got three games to go, can Charlie Cresswell play centre half? And you know, if you just said that last summer that we're going to have a twenty threes player, but hopefully playing centre back in the Premier League, and it just, I think the pathway is brilliant. If you look at someone like Pascal Strike, I mean, his development has been out of this world. I, I was, I was trying to tell this story, and we did a twenty threes game two seasons ago at Barnsley away, and he started pretty sluggishly and Carlos screamed at him and he didn't really listen so Carlos brought him off after 10 minutes and I remember just thinking oh wow like you know how do you recover from, you know it's quite hard to recover from that when you've when do you see a center back get taken off the 10 minutes because he's not really listening or and it was just ruthless and then he, he comes back in and he's, he's he's so strong and so powerful and I, I think it's great it's it, you know to watch him as he as he is at the moment and playing centre back alongside um, Coops and you know if these if these 23 players can't be inspired and uh, motivated to put, to go follow a former teammate then what you know what what can they get fired up for yeah you look at yeah, the, the ones yeah. that have come through like like Strike and then most recently Huggins to come in and and play I mean I thought Huggins did really well against Arsenal so if you're you know if you're Joe Gellhard or, or whoever's thinking I'm next in line I think it must be a real boost to see them come in and play well and know you know they, they all clearly have faith in the system you see it every week with the 23s it's the same idea in the first team and it must be a real confidence boost to think well if I go and play in that team it's not they're not going to be asking me to reinvent the wheel I'm just going to go in and, and do my own job with some slightly better players against some uh, slightly better opposition. Yeah, I think um, I think it was Phil Hayes' article of the day that did a piece on Greenwood and Galahad, and he mentioned something in there about like having a chip on his shoulder, Joe Galahad. And I think a few of them have got that brashness of. I think if you threw them in there, they'd have a real good go at it. You know, I think Greenwood would not a chip on the shirt, but I think you've got to have that arrogance to be a footballer as well. I think that little bit of you that thinks, "Oh, I belong to be here." Or I think yeah. in that documentary when Ailing said, "You know, he wants to prove that." you know can I actually make it and obviously he's proven 10 times that he can and yeah I just think there's so much for the for the 23s that haven't had the, the first team experience to believe they can do it you know Niall Huggins has has flown through the ranks you know I said in that question earlier that he is someone that's very close and he can play left back left mid centre mid so again it's it's like a healthy competition isn't it it's well done to a 23s team and, and then I guess I'm sure they're all thinking in their heads well that's what I want for those that haven't got to experience it and for those that played against Crawley I'm sure they want it but on a better stage as well I thought, I thought yeah. that was a little bit much yeah, there get it. yeah those should get they should definitely get another chance you know as I said to you then Matt if you just said the start of the season where we are now imagine if I said it to you three four years ago whatever it was four years ago we sat behind each other crazy, we're, we're going to have the tactical man in charge that we've got and we're going to have a litter of 23s players that can play 
and are playing youth international football, you just yeah, you just laugh in your face, mate. So it's great, and obviously you guys keep up the good work with the podcast. You know, I, I say I've, I said to a few guys the other week. I think what you guys have done is really different. I think Vicky does a great job. Obviously, the fact you've got a 23s feature is different, and some like getting Casper on as well. I think it's a it's a really good different niche to have someone that someone like Casper. It's like a bit of a throwback to what what we had to you know put up with and someone that's done really well so you know what, from what I've listened guys you've done a great job and yeah um, thank you I'll make continue and obviously if you ever need any help or anything and as you say coming on then I'll always jump on um, yeah it's been like two years now me doing this so but yeah one day we'll all get to go back um, don't know when but hopefully time on the show again and Casper's going to join us for this one which is Brill. I am going to give you three clues about a player that has some connection to Leeds United. I've made it a little bit easier this week. I've uh, focused on someone that Casper will have had some kind of connection with during his time at the club so that's a bit of an extra clue for you. No so, pressure yeah. then Casper. No pressure <laughs> to get this one right. <laughs> oh, so bad with names. <laughs> okay clue number one. As I say, this person played for the club between 2005 and 2010 and made 90 appearances. I don't expect you to get it just from that, don't worry. Um. Clue number two, if everyone's needing a bit of extra intel. This person was officially a centre-back, but also played at right-back a few times. 2005 to 2010? Yeah, 90 yeah. appearances, predominantly a centre-back. But played at right-back as well. Every now and then. Yeah, Andrew Hughes. <sighs> Incorrect. Ooh, that's a good one, that, Casper. It's a good shout. Hughes, he played everywhere, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah, but he was more like a midfielder, to be fair. Mm. Like, everywhere, yeah. If I give you clue number three, you're probably going to get it, so I'll give you a little bit of extra time to see if you can get it from those ones. Can I? 2005, 2010. 90 appearances. It's not Richard Naylor. Oh. I think Naylor, Richard Naylor made more appearances, didn't he, than that? It's not Richard Naylor. came later than 2005. He came after I came. Did he? Yeah, so it wouldn't have been him. Of course he did. Of course he did. Mm-hmm. I remember him coming on at loan. Yeah. yeah. Do you want clue number three? Oh, um, but, but if it's a centre back and like I would be playing with him, I'm trying to go over the centre backs in my head. <laughs> I've got it. If I can have a guess, have yeah. you? Sean Gregan. Incorrect. No. Um, I got I got one here. Go on then, Casper. I can't remember his surname though. Is his first name? Is it Matt? Incorrect. <laughs> this, this is a tricky one. Uh, Say that again, Kaylin. Jason Crow. I'm not sure about his first name. Incorrect. Right? No, he came later as well. He came after me. Right. Ju- I thought Jason Crow played. Didn't Jason Crow play against Manchester United? I'm sure he did. Casper. He defended like girl, so he defended the ball fine, didn't he? I think he played against the. Uh, yeah, I think he played against Man United. Uh, it was in your back four. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm going to give you clue three to try and help you out. Oh, it's difficult, this one. So this player made 21 appearances for the Angolan oh. national team. Rui Marquez. There you go. There he is. <laughs> or from me, to be fair. Rui Marquez. Yeah. That's the yeah. one. Came from a German club, even. Mm. He did. 
Martima. Casper, are you in touch with any of the ex, your ex league players? Yeah, let me think. Uh, I've spoken to Rui a few times. Mm. Uh, Lubomir Mikelik. Uh, yes, Mikelik, very good player when he came in. Yeah, he did well when he first came in. Uh, Jermaine Beckford, I've spoken to him a couple of times. Let me see. Yeah, been up. No, yeah, Pratton uh, as well. Yeah, I've spoken to him. Uh, but it's been a while Dave Lucas yeah there's been quite a few to be honest with you that I still uh, speak to now and then that's good Um, yeah no there's a few of them yeah final question from me then I guess is just on lead season so far and how you think they're getting on where you think they might end up at the end of the season do you do you think it's going to be a mid-table finish do you think we're going to be getting sucked into that relegation battle hopefully not or do you think it's a mad push for European football (laughs) (laughs) No, it's obviously it's it's difficult, isn't it? Uh, I, I would probably see Leeds finishing sort of around the the position that they're in now. If I'm being honest, um, yeah. So you're sitting in twelfth, aren't you? Yeah. Um, that middle section is quite tight, isn't it? Like you know, Aston Villa's on thirty six. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be somewhere in and around there. To be honest with you. Yeah, but it's it's difficult. Uh, they've been a little bit inconsistent of late. If uh, if I'm being, is that is that right? Or am yeah, I you could definitely say that it's a high risk, high reward, big losses. I think is pretty much how we play. We don't tend to draw many games. So no, no, that's true. But obviously, it's it's entertaining football. You know, every game that Leeds is normally involved in, it's it's always. Uh, yeah, very entertaining and high scoring. Yeah, never boring. No, never boring. No. <laughs> it's the usual, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, brilliant. Well, thanks for joining us, Casper. It's been absolutely fantastic. Um, great insight to your time at the club. You know, obviously your relationship with Ben White as well, and obviously what you've been up to. It's been, it's been really good to have you on. So, really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for coming on. No problem. No problem at all. Lovely to chat to you, Casper. Thank you. Good to chat. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. So that's everything from us this week. Thank you so much to our guests, Casper and Tom Hill, for joining us. And thank you to everyone at home for tuning in. We'll be back next weekend after Villa. Speak to you then. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.